This episode of The Critical Thought represents the starting point of educating the public about Jehovah's Witnesses and relationships. And we invite you to join in the discussion by adding your experience in the comments below. You're listening to The Critical Thought, where we challenge our listeners to use critical thinking when examining the teachings of Jehovah's Witnesses. Hi, this is Lady C. I'm just here to talk about Jehovah's Witnesses and relationships. We receive a lot of email correspondence about relationships. Individuals that have met their soulmate, as it were, but they're not one of Jehovah's Witnesses and the Jehovah's Witness is like giving them an ultimatum about, well, you have to become a witness or we cannot continue in our relationship. But I want to talk about what the relationship is like when both individuals are in the organization to kind of give you a framework of what you're dealing with to understand what everything is all about. Okay. So one of the things that I knew growing up as one of Jehovah's Witnesses is the rule about no sex before marriage. Because that's one of the biggest things that will get a young person sitting in the back room in a judicial meeting quicker than anything. In fact, everyone knows that when a person is read off at the Kingdom Hall as being disfellowshipped, they know that that's the number one reason why the person was disfellowshipped. It was because of some kind of immorality. And so the culture of Jehovah's Witnesses is for individuals to get partnered up rather quickly. One of the things that happened with me, and it happens, I think, with a lot of uh, uh, witnesses, they get married real, real young uh, for obvious reasons. I mean, you, you know, when you're 17, 18 years old, and your hormones are doing whatever they do. And as a witness, that's not good. So you end up getting married real young. So I got married, I think, when I was 19 years old. Wow. Which was a, a, a serious mistake, <laughs> to say the least. And it's really sad because individuals find themselves getting married very young. And I've heard of people being married as young as 16. And of course, 18 is the magical number because that's when you graduate from high school and, you know, your, your life is supposed to be beginning as one of Jehovah's Witnesses. You know, now that's the only way you're going to move out of your parents' home. Because I do know that for uh, Jehovah's Witness women, if they move out of the house and they're not married, Jehovah's Witnesses are going to accuse them of getting in trouble. Or they're going to say, oh, if you move out of the house and you're 18 and you're not married, you can, get, you can get in trouble. So that's one of the things that people don't do a lot. The only time a person moves out and they're 18 and they're not married is when they're going to serve where the need is great. Now, what is that? All that means is you're going to work a territory where they may not have a lot of pioneers or they need people to help them in their territory to bring more people into the religion or more people to do preaching. That's basically what it is. And I actually went to serve where the need was great 
And so because we were all moving together, a bunch of single girls, no one looked at us and said, you're going to get in trouble because you're moving out of the house because, you know, you're, you're single and you're not married. We didn't have that issue. But of course, if we were just women on our own seeking some kind of a career, then they probably would have labeled us in a different way. Okay. So for the individuals who don't plan on, you know, going off to pioneer, they kind of stay at home with their parents, you know. And then, of course, those ones that are fortunate enough to find someone that they can marry, they get married and they're getting married at a young age. Well, you know, it becomes a problem because, first of all, you're too young to be getting married. You don't even know who you are, let alone trying to figure out who this person that you're marrying is all about. You're just a young, green person, you know? And then when you start thinking about uh, the progression of maturity. So if you get two 18-year-olds that get married, they may have some issues. Because where this one sister told me, she got married at 18. And she, when she got older, she grew. She was growing, but her husband wasn't growing. Because she was like, man, I'm 25 years old, but my husband is still interested in video games. So she was kind of frustrated with that, you know. So it's like, you know, how do you temper that? How do you find someone that you're, you know, that, that's going to suit you and, and you're going to be interested in this person three years later, four years later, 10, 15 years later? Is the spark going to still be there in this marriage, you know, kind of thing? But not only that, but when it comes to choosing a man, in the religion, and I'm talking about women, because I'm talking about it from my perspective, what I see, the things that I've experienced and all of that. So now you're talking about the woman and what she's seeing. Now, my mom never taught me to get all into these titles. She never said, oh, you got to be married to a ministerial servant, elder and all that kind of stuff. That didn't happen in my household. And the reason why is because my father was not one of Jehovah's Witnesses when I was growing up. So she never looked at me and said, you got to be married to a servant, an elder, and all that kind of stuff, because she wasn't married to an elder or a servant. Her husband wasn't even a Jehovah's Witness. But for those people who are Jehovah's Witnesses, and their mothers and fathers are pushing them into the Watchtower way, and pushing them to be with these people with these titles, then you have other people that are raised in this religion that are looking at these men in a different light. So... A lot of women are looking at a man. Is he a ministerial servant? If he's not at least a ministerial servant, she's not going to marry him. But he could be a good man. But, but that doesn't matter to her. All she knows is he is not getting at least 10 hours in field service a month because that's what you got to get to be a ministerial servant. She's looking at it from the angle of what is he doing for Watchtower? If he's doing something for Watchtower and he's at least on that bottom rung as a ministerial servant, then maybe we could work something out. Maybe we could get married. As long as I can remember, you know, it's always been, uh, especially for sisters, if you were interested in a brother, you need to make sure that he's a ministerial servant or make sure he's very active in field service. And those type of things became the criteria. And so you would end up with sisters who may have a brother who might be a regular pioneer, but he really wouldn't make a good husband. 
but he met the watchtower's criteria of what would constitute a good husband. And so what you would find is a lot of these sisters would marry these types of individuals. And after they married for a couple of years, they realized we have very little in common. So outside of the organization, you will hear uh, somebody say, what kind of job does he have? You know, what's he doing as a career? But inside, we're like, what's he doing? Is he a ministerial servant? You know, is he having, what's his hours? What's he getting, you know, out in field service? How's he treating the friends and all of that? That was, that was the culture. Then you have men. And men, when they look at women, women don't really have to have a whole lot of criteria for a man to marry them. For, for men, the woman, all she got to be is baptized. Now, if there, if the woman is a uh, regular pioneer, auxiliary pioneer, whatever, that could just be the icing on the cake for him. But for a man, all she has to be is baptized. I've seen it happen too many times in my congregation. Case in point, we have all these single sisters in the congregation that I was last affiliated with before we faded. We had 40 single sisters in our congregation. Many of them were regular pioneers, faithful sisters, been hanging on to the truth for years, ain't even deviated, ain't got in trouble. They're here. They're faithful, serving Jehovah. But the man in the congregation, he looks at the sisters, not what he wants. He doesn't choose any of those women. But... Then there's this one sister, several sisters in our congregation. They're studying with one of these regular pioneers and they get baptized. Six months later, walking down the aisle. And then some brothers take the complete opposite approach as can be illustrated in the following experience. An excerpt that was taken from an interview with a single Jehovah's Witness sister. I did hear of, of a time where there was a brother that was visiting my hall, and during the meeting, I didn't comment. And the brother that was visiting, he had seen me, and he had interest in me visually. So visually, he found me attractive. But because I didn't comment at the meeting, the sister that he was visiting, he told her, because she was going to introduce us after the meeting, but he later told her no, because I can see that she's not very spiritual because she didn't comment at the meeting. So this is the kind of issues that Jehovah's Witness women face all the time. And it's a numbers game. It's all about the numbers. Because there's not that many men in the organization. And so, of course, for women, it's really frustrating and stressful because it's very hard to find someone. And so you got these titles and these men, you know, that don't have these titles. It's kind of hard for them, too, because just because a man is not a ministerial servant doesn't mean that he's not a good man. But the religion itself makes him feel so worthless, makes him feel like he's not really pulling his end of the bargain. He's not really doing a lot. Then you get these women that, let's say, there's a group of people, they hang out together, and everybody gets married. And now it seems like all of the Jehovah's Witnesses, the men are moving through the ranks. They're, they're ministerial servants. They're elders. Maybe some of them are Bethelites. Whatever. They got these titles, these Watchtower titles. Then you have a brother who was part of that initial group, and he's a ministerial servant, but he never gets promoted to elder. 
And then his wife starts to give him problems. Well, Johnny, Kenny, when are you going to be appointed an elder? They're putting the pressure on the husband, you know, because they want to be like their friends. You know, all of the other sisters, their husbands got promoted. They're like, you know, they're city overseers. They're the Kobe in the congregation now. And your husband is still a ministerial servant. And in some cases, you can have a brother that never got appointed a servant. My wife and I at the time were the, uh, we were like the celebrity couple that everybody thought was supposed to just, you know, advance in the organization. I know my, my first wife, she was uh, a regular pioneer. And, uh, and so I was expected to become a ministerial servant. So it really puts a lot of strain and stress on these relationships because it's all about the outward appearance of what it looks like. Because the woman who's married to the man who has the title, she's being given or being bestowed all of these accolades. Look at them. They're doing so well in the truth. Look at their children. They're doing so well. They're, they're really serving Jehovah. They're doing all of these things that's good, you know. And But little to their knowledge, they may have a marriage that's on the rocks. And it's just all a sham. It's all a, it's all a facade. It's all just on the surface. They look like they're the perfect couple, the perfect family but they're not. Meanwhile, over here in this other camp, you got the man who's working hard. He's not a servant, or maybe he's just a servant or whatever. And all of a sudden, his wife is just so frustrated because she wants to be hanging out with these people in these different groups because her husband is not performing. On the other hand, you can also have a situation where Jehovah's Witness women can feel a little frustrated. Because where their counterparts' wives are regular pioneering, his wife is working full-time. Or his wife ain't working at all. And she's not pioneering because she doesn't want to pioneer. That's not who she is. That's not what she wants to do. So you have all of these issues in the relationship. And the issues in the relationship is all to do with these titles these bogus titles that have been bestowed upon people in the congregation. The titles, you know, circuit overseer, district overseer, pioneer, like those things were, they were all we had. So you ain't even got to the personality glitches and the cultural differences and the, this person's from this area. They were raised in this particular town and they do things different over here. We ain't even got to that yet. We're just dealing with people who want their spouse to do the watchtower thing, to go up the watchtower ladder. This is what we're dealing with in the Jehovah's Witness relationship. Talk about stressful. In the next episode, we will feature several couples discussing their courtship and marriage during the time they were active members in the Jehovah's Witness community. Feel free to share your experiences by adding your comments below. This has been Lady C. Thank you for being in my audience. This program was sponsored by Critical Thinkers.